Hello, good people. Welcome to The Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for watching tonight. Excited by tonight's topic. That's consistent. I'm always excited by it. But I'm really excited by tonight's topic. Check this out. This is from 1 Peter. And, and Peter talks about our, our trials and how they make us better human beings. And he said, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How cool is this? When we go through trials, if we have the right perspective, we know that just like gold is purified in fire, our faith, our hope, our love, our souls, our virtue, our vision, all of these things are purified when we go through hard experiences. And those hard experiences aren't bad experiences. And it's hard for me to think of a harder experience than campaigning in, a, in today's political climate. Uh, so we have Heidi Ganahl on again. We had her on four months ago. It's been a year since she started her campaign. We're going to dive into some issues that are, are important in Colorado. If you're not watching from Colorado, they're important all around the country, really. Um, I think Colorado is kind of like a canary in the mine with some of these things that we're experiencing in culture. Uh, but also, uh, most of all, talk about how to, how to keep focus, how to keep sanity, how to love your enemies, how to deal with hatred that people spit at you, even if you're in the midst of a political campaign. Thanks for watching. Heidi, thank you so much. I know you have all the time in the world right now. So <laughs> when we called and we're like, Heidi, come back on the show, like, I got nothing to do. Thanks, what? Chris. No, I love being here. I <laughs> love you. being here. What is your schedule looking like right now? Like, oh my do, goodness. do you have like just a couple hours of sleep and like the rest of the day is completely full from waking up to falling asleep? Mostly just because of adrenaline. I mean, it, we're closing in. So it's just our, our hashtag or our theme for our campaign is no stone left unturned. Okay. And so you're just like, what else can we do? What else can we do? Yeah. If I need to get up at 4 a.m. and study on a policy or, you know, plan out the day or get ready for a speaking event, it's it's actually been a great joy to be out on the campaign trail and meet amazing people mm. all over Colorado and learn about our state. That's awesome. Okay, first time I met you, I was so honored because you you're like, hey, I recognize you and you're reading the book, which <laughs> yeah, is so good, about, about living joy. You've obviously been living joy, mm -hmm. right? Because I could see an energy and hope in your face. Uh, and you you've been looking more at dark issues than most of us ever have to. Um, and yet you've kept that joy. You've been, you've been encountering a lot of people who dislike you. <laughs> Don't go on Twitter, right? Don't yet, go on Twitter. <laughs> you kept, what, what's a, how do you keep it? What, what, what's, what's a personal habit, something you're clean? What, is, it, is it silence? Is it focusing on gratitude? Is it the friendships? Like what's most fueling that spirit that you're still smiling as much as you were four months ago and a year? Maybe uh, even more so. You yeah. have more energy than you did even then. I think so. I mean, I've been so blessed and honored to be in this position and have the mm. opportunity to travel the state, meet people, hear their stories, be a voice for them, whether it's a sad story or a happy story. Just I've fallen even more in love with Colorado and the people of Colorado. And I, I just feel um, as though I'm called to be a voice for the folks that are feeling hurt and sad about what's happening in our state right now. Mm. And I truly believe people are ready for change. They recognize that this is not the Colorado we all grew up yeah. with and love. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you're driven by that sense of mission, and yes. that's that's keeping that's keeping the uh, keeping you from getting dr dragged down by all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got I got to translate this. I mean, in the Christian life, 
when you when you lose that that primary sense of mission, like that sense that I can make a difference, or I'm at least called to do something, mm -hmm. you just look at the darkness around you. And it's like it's deflating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so you're, you're you're staying on that. You're staying on people. Way to go. I am. And, Way to go. Thank Way you. And my faith has never been stronger. I mean, I have grown closer to God and closer mm -hmm. to. Uh, my connection and why I'm doing this and my purpose. It's mm. been fascinating. I didn't come into running for office or running for governor thinking that's what would happen, but I've met wow. amazing, amazing mentors and people who have helped me um, surrender more and lean more into my faith than I did before. Praise God. What's that looking like for you as you lean into faith? You, are you actually spending more time in prayer as you, as you have this much busyness in your schedule? Yes, more time in prayer, more time around people who... Um, are you know committed to lifting me up and and keeping me focused mm. and reminding me what being called to do this looks like and what the end result is and that's um, you know really serving serving God but serving our children and our children's yeah. future and fighting to make sure that we hold on to what's important to us and our values and mm -hmm. um, our principles as we decide what Colorado is going to look like in the next eight years. Mm, I got. I got to pause on this for a second too, um, and I, I want you to let this convict you. The amount of times that people have told me, like, I don't have time to pray, I don't have time to get my thoughts together and spend a minute with God, and uh, I think it was Mother Teresa who said, like, if if you don't have time for your for your holy hour, you need to make two of them. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> <You> said know? that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she said that, but if she didn't, she should have said that because it's a great it's a great line. <laughs> I think there's actually a whole website of. Quotes falsely attributed to Mother Teresa, and they're all awesome. Anyway, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Does uh, right, it? <laughs> right. How do you keep How do you keep your family together? How, your kids. You have twins who are ten, mm -hmm. and a thirteen-year-old <laughs> Holly, and um, Tori's twenty-six. Couple dogs. My husband, who runs the barbecue businesses, so <laughs> we have a crazy busy life. But I have an old RV that we wrapped, so I throw them in the RV a lot. We they come okay. with me on the campaign trail. They've learned to do a mean handshake and make eye contact. All right. What's and a mean handshake look like? Look, look them in the eye. Hi, there I'm Jenna. Go. My mom's <laughs> running for governor. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Teach your kids to look someone in the eye. Okay, so you're just you're just bringing them along. Yeah, and they. Yeah. I mean, they are so sweet. They love it. They're so supportive. Um, I just I think this is an incredible experience for them. Hmm. And this will be something that we've had the opportunity to do that not a lot of other families have the opportunity yeah. to do. And they've grown in their faith and their love of Colorado and their love of each other, even though they fight a lot. Hmm. But <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I love that you're drawn into the mission. Yeah. Uh, okay, so speaking of of, uh, of of staying focused in the midst of chaos, mm -hmm. um, you you've had the experience of of, um, of being hated more than most people get. And, and having people let you know it, right? <laughs> yes. And the more you put yourself out there, especially with, with politics and with, with all these contentious issues, the, the more you're going to hear that. Um, you know, I'm asking for myself, too, because I put myself out there with faith. Yeah. Dude, I let it bug me so much sometimes. Because I, I have this, you know, I have a naturally large heart, and I'm, I'm getting into this because, I like you, it's like I want to help people. Yeah. And then when, like, a good chunk of the people are like, I hate you, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to help. <laughs> I know. How, how do you psychologically cope with that? And, and uh, do, you, do you go through, when, when you're running for political office, do you go through like intentional training about how to cope with that? Heck or is no, it just there is no rule you? book. <laughs> no, no. There's no manual. You what kinda have you get, learned? You get thrown into it, but 
you just become more resilient. It's like you think about the bigger picture, like what you're trying to accomplish. Okay. And if we can win our state back and get some, um, you know, sanity back and how our state's being run, yeah, that's yeah. my opinion. Right, right, um, right. Then think about what a bright future we'll all have and my kids are have, your kids will have. And that is so worth getting beat up or getting told that, you know, what I'm saying yeah. is not right or, and, and what makes them think that they know what's right or what's yeah. appropriate? People don't know. So you focus on your mission and literally ignore. Yeah. Or I just take it in and I listen. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. We just have a difference of opinion. And I'm one of my, on. yeah, one yeah. of my passions at CU as a regent at the University of Colorado has been getting, um, teaching students how to debate again, like how to be feisty and yes. talk about really tough stuff. And so I'm living it right now. And, mm. and it's, it's, uh, it's actually fun. I love debating. Okay, did it bother you at first? And you just gotten better at it the more you practiced and grown, grown the calluses? Yeah, I mean, I grew up the kid that wanted to be liked by everybody. And, right, right. and I always, I, you know, I always drove to make sure that I was making people happy. And now I just want to, I just want to um, be able to look back in my final days of life and think I did everything I could to mm. protect the American dream that I was so blessed to live. Mm. And I was so blessed to be born where I was. Mm. And I feel a debt of gratitude, and yeah. that's how I shift the energy. Praise God. That's awesome. <laughs> Most days. Some days, yeah, you know, no, it's some not days as easy. It, but I, I like what you said I, it, before we were even rolling. Yeah. Stay off Twitter. Yeah. I mean, like I, <laughs> not everybody is entitled to, to my, my head space. Mm -mm. You know, and I'm, I'm letting people go in rent-free by reading half their comments and opinions right. about my, my life. And it always goes past issues just straight to personal stuff. That's where a lot of debates go now. Yeah, It gets real personal, real ugly, real fast. Uh, what do you teach people when you teach them how to debate now that you've uh, gotten a crash course in that and you're an, you're an expert on it? Because I, I yeah. and again, this this advice goes, this is not just political. This this is, if you're a person of faith, share, uh, sharing the best news ever that some people want to throw back at you. If you're at a family party, Talking about religion and politics, which don't talk about. What else is there? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right? Fun. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the family dinner table. But, but there's sometimes where it's like I could feel the the jugular vein. <laughs> you know, like okay, I'm, I'm literally thinking I have to slow that thing down right now. Don't uh, talk. Don't say what you want to talk. Don't say what you want to say. Yeah, Bite your tongue. Yeah. No. How do you how do you how do you teach people how to healthily debate really hard issues? The most important thing is you have to listen. You have to listen to understand. Mm. Listen to exhaustion. Like, listen so hard and repeat back mm. and verify with the other person what you think you're hearing because sometimes we don't hear mm. what they're, they mean. And then assume the best. Assume that the other person has good intentions. Like, if you're talking about politics, assume that we both want what's best for America, for Colorado, for our kids. We just have different ways to get there. And then... Think about the best way to win the person over, not to fight back, but to say, what is going to convince them or persuade them to move the needle a little bit? What could I say or what question could I ask? One of the things I love asking young people, because I hang out with them a lot at CU in my role as a regent, is what do you think government does well? Mm. And you just kind of sit there and let them think. And they're like, well, well, like, why do you want more of it? Why do you mm. want more control over your life? Mm. Do you not trust yourself to make mm. good decisions? Especially after coming through COVID, I mean, That's the Socratic method is what that is. You're, you're, yeah. you're asking the the right questions and then letting them answer it. And then it gives you feedback to be able to 
you know, move the needle a little bit towards yeah. whatever you're trying to persuade them. This is not, I mean, you, said, you talked about this is not the Colorado we grew up in. This is not the America we grew up in because what you're talking about right now, almost nobody does. Mm -mm. And on both sides of the aisle, right. uh, like there's a lot of yelling at each other. And the thought of, of people coming together and actually listening to each other and trying to presume the best of the person. Uh, what has happened? That, 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 that's so dang rare. I think a lot of it's intentional. It's if they divide us, if it, it's easier to control us. Mm. Um, it's it's the breaking down of community. We don't hang out and play basketball at the park together anymore. Or have picnics. We don't have dinner together as families. Yeah. We're all in our phones. I think that's one of the most destructive things that's happened. And I'm I'm the worst offender right now because I'm on my phone a lot. But um, there are lots of studies that show. The more lonely you feel, the more you go to your phone or screens. The more screens you do, the more lonely you feel. And it's this yeah. vicious cycle. Yep. And our kids especially. We have one of the top suicide rates in the country in Colorado. One of the highest drug addiction mm. rates for kids in Colorado. In sunny Colorado. Yeah. Uh, that lack of community. Is, I, I, I moved here from Wisconsin. Thank you. And, you um, bonded over cheese there. Yes. Right? <laughs> and over frigid weather and yes. nothing else to do except, like, if we don't just hang out and have a beer and some cheese, we're going to, mm -hmm. I guess, go tour Costco and get free samples. <laughs> like, what is there? That's uh, a good thing to do. That is something good to do. But but there's something about about Colorado I noticed as soon as I moved here. It's um, There's so much to do. Uh, it's so career-driven because it's so expensive to live here. So it's by yeah. necessity that everybody's working really hard, uh, which is not bad to be driven, but, like, mm -hmm. where's the balance? But there's also the 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 geography of the place. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this like this sprawl that is the the front range, and to locate like here's city centers and little town centers, Wisconsin are villages, you know. Uh, so they get we got a lot um, I think going against us as far as building community here. I, I don't know, have you encountered like when you when you go campaign, do you find that there's uh, a lot of people saying, well, wait, come to my the, the town center. What is that? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I think how, do you, how do you redefined. fight the trend to not even feel like people, especially young people, have an ownership of their town? Oh, that's a toughie. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time in small towns across the state, mm. and so everyone has... So those places, are that's still got it going yeah, on. Yeah, they have different personalities, and um, I just hung out in Grand Junction for a few days, which I love Grand Junction. It's an amazing community, um, yeah. and... It's very different than being in downtown Denver right now mm. or in Aurora or Lakewood. Yeah. Um, I still think, I mean, I th still think we all love going out to eat. And I, I think everybody missed that part of our lives, like oh, restaurants, yeah. bars, oh, um, yeah. school, sports. Yeah. I think that's why our kids are in a mental health crisis, partly is because oh, yeah. we went too far shutting everything down. Yeah. And they didn't balance what happens when you disconnect people from their livelihoods, their community. Yeah, it really, it really completed the divorce of people mm -hmm. from the place they live. Because mm -hmm. I spent two years not, not feeling it like, well, I guess everybody in my town is non-essential. That's right. Right? And I, I could pull up my car and not even talk to anybody and get something. And, and the, the, lack of, um, the lack of courage. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That the, it, we, we, uh, fear has almost become a virtue. The more cautious, the better is not the That's way so un -American. to live. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, and it's not Christian either. No, it isn't. I mean, there, there's social responsibility. And then there's, you. can, can you be too cautious? Yes, you absolutely can. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at your whole career path. Yeah. There's been some serious daring and risk and scary stuff. Yeah. Actually, but, what you're doing right now is the craziest thing. <laughs> I think do, so. Do, do you stop and think that every once in a while? <laughs> like, 
You know, I don't think about it too often because I'm so, I'm just so laser focused on what we're trying to do here. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the gifts that I'm getting from yeah. doing this, from being on this journey and my family are getting is really, it's really amazing. That's awesome. That's and awesome. No matter what happens, we're going to have such an amazing group of community and family mm. and friends that I never would have met if we didn't do this. Mm. I, I, I honestly fighting for that sense of community. Guys, yeah. get out. Get, take ownership. Go, go vote. I mean, like, care about the place mm -hmm. you live. Um, that's one of the things I love about what, what you're doing, uh, all, all politics aside. Frankly, when there's no political campaign, people should go around and do that. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? Like, let's care about our town. And just talk to your neighbors. Have barbecues. Don't just open the garage door, close it, and be done with things. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some issues. Um, you've, um, you've had a lot of things come up and... and as you dive more into issues, you're seeing the things that, um, not just in Colorado, but mm -hmm. nationwide, are, I think, most destructive. Um, in church circles, sometimes uh, people like me can be accused of being a culture warrior. And my, my first response is like, is, is that bad? Because I think culture's worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's a, sh you know, you go to a church, and that's a shrine to protect something sacred. Mm -hmm. it, the, the, the body of Christ, the people inside. And culture is supposed to be a shrine to protect something sacred. Mm -hmm. and, and when people want to dismantle everything, laws that keep us safe, uh, um, re-looking at Western civilization through a lens that sees only bad and wants to dismantle the whole thing, um, it destroys lives, not just culture. You know? So um, how, what, what issues are popping up at you as you dive into the, the culture wars, so to speak, and see what matters to people, what nerves you're hitting in people? Well, I think the most important thing that's uh, at the root of all of these problems, whether it's crime or our kids not being successful in school or inflation, all of it, the, the, um, the tension in society is the breakdown of family mm. and community and the church, like our connection to the church. All of that is breaking down and mm. um, it, it's, it's showing up in so many ways in our society. Yeah. I mean, in Colorado, we have one of the highest... Um, violent crime rates in the country mm. and number one in auto theft number one in property crime fentanyl overdose rate second highest in the country mm. people are turning to drugs they're turning to crime they're turning to um, isolation mm. screens what's the connection of that stuff to the family and and oh. I, I I gotta point out uh, I mean it, there's literally an overt that people aren't even hiding it anymore they want to dismantle the nuclear yes. family they do even though that solves almost every problem you just mentioned. But like, what, what's, the, what's the connection? How's the, uh, yeah. And how, and how from government do you help preserve family? Well, you talk about it, you model yeah. it, you, um, you encourage dinner together. Um, one thing we're putting together, I'm working with a guy named Rob Kresak who has Humans First, an organization that's looking at the, uh, the effect of technology in our lives and the breakdown for family and relationships. Mm. And one thing we could do is, as governor, I'm going to promote, like, let's have dinner together as families once a week. Like, everybody Beautiful. in Colorado, let's just do that. Or, you know what, let's have mindful minutes in the classroom. So you put down the technology, you put down your pencil, your paper, you talk to the kids sitting next to you, mm. get to know them, ask them how they're doing. Start to repair relationships, mm. whether it's in the church, in the community, in prisons, in schools, wherever. And I will be a huge advocate for that. And it sounds... Well, Heidi, that's kind of, I don't know, is it cheesy? Is it like, 
Is it really effective? It is effective. Yeah. That's what Rob's helping me figure out is the stats show it's very effective. And you know what? It is cheesy, but let's own that. Yeah. I mean, really, right? I mean, if cheesy gets us back to being Seriously. in good relationship and having um, healthy families, yeah. boy, let's be cheesy together. Let's be cheesy. I mean, I, I, you're from I, Wisconsin. Let's be cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was in uh, I was in Aspen uh, recently, and I was just I remember John Denver. Like he he would oh. self deprecate and say like, you know, well, this, this stuff's kind of cheesy now. But it's like, well, what happened to those beautiful days where people would sit with a guitar and like talk about their feelings? Like, what? <laughs> what that's not cool anymore. And like, and as a kid too, I remember. Um, at the risk of being cheesy, the, the, the Nancy Reagan just say no campaign. Mm -hmm. And and back then people actually talked about things like, hey, don't do drugs, that really hurts people. Yeah. How the heck did that fall out of style? I mean, was that is that not considered too cheesy or, or like you're <laughs> pontificating? Like what what has happened that we don't have laws that discourage drug use? And I mean, tell me about how that's become important to you. You know, you have some stories when it comes to the whole fentanyl thing that oh. you've encountered on the campaign trail. So many stories. And one of the most impactful moments on the campaign trail for me was when um, Mickey, uh, a mom, came up to me and handed me a wood ornament. And I had a picture of her daughter, Hannah, on there, who was 16. Mm. She said, Heidi, I want you to know what you're fighting for, what's going on. And mm. she handed it to me. She said, take this with you. Um, but Hannah was having a bad day at school. One of her friends gave her a Xanax thinking it would make her feel better, and it was laced with fentanyl, mm. and she died that day. Mm. And I went to um, Andrea, who I met a couple times now, runs um, a fentanyl awareness organization, and it's families who've lost loved ones to fentanyl, and they don't call it fentanyl overdose because the kids don't, this, the family members don't even know they're taking it. It's fentanyl poisoning. And it's coming across our border in droves on the southern border of America, but also in the southern border of Colorado. And we are a sanctuary wow. state now. So ICE agents and law enforcement can't really do much to stop it. Wow. But it's poisoning our communities. And that's the number one thing I hear from law enforcement. It's tearing us apart. It's, uh, it's, it's mind-boggling how, how little it's talked about. Mm -hmm. I, I, had, I had Jimmy Wahlberg on here a couple minutes ago. I got, I got introduced to him. He's, he's on a national campaign again about... The opioid ec yeah, epidemic. It's so bad. It, right? And we're talking about so many other things. Mm -hmm. So many other things in the classroom that, that aren't helping kids. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a little about that and how you're seeing oh. uh, gender ideology in the classroom where, where, where we don't hear the words just say no, but where there's people pushing for kindergartners to, the, who should be learning math and reading uh, to discern their, their gender. When, like you're introducing things into the imagination that confuse. Yes. And obviously, every human being should be protected and feel safe and all that. But there, there, can we have both of these things? Yeah. Can we have compassion and still... Um, not confuse our kids. Right. Not confuse our kids and not teach sex ed in first or second grade. Which, <laughs> right. when people say it's not happening, it is happening. Yeah. It is happening. It's in the curriculum. Oh, yeah. And um, It's not happening, but we have to have laws to protect it to make sure it happens. But it's not happening, right. but we have to... Wait, hold on. Which is it, dude? Yeah. There's a lot of nonsense happening in the schools right now, and I, I you know, I think it's it's a political agenda in the classroom. It's yeah. not the teachers. A lot of the teachers are like, what? What? I just want to teach the kids how to read and write and do math. Yeah. And there's a reason why 60% of our kids in Colorado can't read, write, or do math right now. 60% of kids can't read, Cannot. write, or do Cannot. 6-0. It's bad. And in Denver Public Schools, they just came out with some data that 95% of African-American and Hispanic kids cannot read at grade level. 95%? Yes. For all the talk of how important it is to help you know, minority members of our community, 
We are spending $19,000 per student in Denver Public Schools. It used to be one of the best districts in the state and the country. And now 95% of our African-American Hispanic kids cannot read what at grade level. What happened? Well, they're uh, focused on other things, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but make sure that they ask themselves, am I really a boy? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we drive that And home. honestly, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of compassion for, for students who are struggling with gender identity issues. Of course, yeah. But, but here's the thing. This is a conversation that needs to happen with parents and the family. And I don't yeah. think it's fair to put that on teachers in the classroom. And I think that um, parents have been left out of the equation for a while now. They're really upset. Right. We flipped 10 school boards here in Colorado last fall because of it. And honestly, I think the only way to fix schools at this point, to fix these issues, is to give power back to parents and fund the student, not the system. So you mm. make sure the funding is available for the families if they want to teach their kids, if they want to do homeschool or a micro school, which is a new kind of thing, or um, charter school, religious school, right. private school, another public school, whatever it takes right now. I think a lot of people in, in, in political power are afraid to do that because they're afraid that they'll find out what people actually want. Right. I mean, yeah, and obviously back to the gender thing, everybody, I mean, especially a kid with gender dysphoria has got to be treated with a lot of compassion and right. be given the right one-on-one uh, -on -one help. When it becomes a, an agenda that's pushing something, we, there's, there's, there was a study done in, in I think, Philly. Um, uh, up to 20% of girls uh, do not associate with their biological gender or, or sexual orientation uh, that would be natural to their body. I mean, when you when you start getting up to to nine percent saying they're gender dysphoric, twenty percent saying they're suddenly LGBT, um, that's not all kids who were that way that we're caring for. That's a, an agenda being pushed. Those numbers are astronomical, um, and they're they're not learning basic math, but they're learning all that. Wow, I, I, I'm just kind of speechless you, thinking about this stuff. I'm gonna make you feel stuff. even more uncomfortable. Yeah, about this. yeah. There are these things called furries that are showing up in schools now. And it's kids who identify as animals, furry animals. And they're allowing this to happen in Colorado schools, in lots of different schools around the country. Forgive my grin. Are we supposed to take that part seriously? Uh, I like, know. At, at what point do we say, okay, well, that's just stupid. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. They're allowing this to happen. And finally, a middle school in, in Douglas County stood Did, did you know a single no. furry when you were a kid? No. Like, was anyone being, now, like, had, every I had, kid was born a furry? Any teenager, a middle school or a high school, if they know a furry, and they will answer yes, I bet you. Okay, so. And they're, they mute. They don't talk. They growl and they meow. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. But that's an extreme example. But it's happening. It's but gonna, it's happening. A lot of things are, are are extreme examples that are now mainstream right. because of the tactic of treating you like you're crazy when you assert what people have always believed until five minutes ago, right? Uh, and I think if you'll find if you, if you gave power back to parents to choose their schools that, that this quiet majority is saying like, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to go there and, and, and battle this publicly, but yeah, I'm going to take my money elsewhere if my kids taught that instead of reading. Yeah, Chris, it's already happening in Colorado. Yeah, you're not finding most parents like that kind of education. Mm -hmm. No. So why why the heck are we all quiet and not talking about because it? Because you get canceled. You get, you know, called mean things. Yeah. <laughs> and you just gotta calmly assert yourself. Like what thanks for the example of doing that in a campaign trail. I and mean, that's what that's what you're doing. Yeah. And so you take a stand and you're like, I'm sorry, mm. I, I've you know, I have so much compassion, but this is not appropriate. This is not the right thing we should be focusing on. We've got to teach our kids how to read. Calm yeah. And just keep calmly asserting the truth, right? Like a, and, you know, this is one way you're coming off really 
uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift, and again, it's a good example, because I think a lot of Christians need to know this too. It's easy to look at this stuff and just be angry all the time. You know, and then to communicate about it in a way that's really angry and lacks compassion and love, when the place we're coming from is like, dude, I want to save our kids. I love all kids. I, you know, I, I just, God, I, they're hurting right now. It doesn't yeah. matter if they're, if, um, if they're struggling with their gender, they're struggling with dyslexia, yeah. or they're struggling with a situation at home. Our kids are hurting right now, evidenced by Children's Hospital declaring the first mental health crisis ever in Colorado last year, and wow. evidenced by our suicide rate, our drug addiction rate, um, the disconnect with families. It's just, it's not good. Mm. Mm. And if I don't stand up as a mom running for office, as a leader who has a platform right now to say, enough is enough. Mm. We're not doing this anymore. Yes. Or if you want to do that, great. Make a choice as a parent that that's a, you know, how you want to roll. But uh, there, There's two things that you're doing that I want, to, I want to call out to you guys as you share anything about your faith or or you engage the culture war, whatever the heck you want to call it. Uh, stay joyful, otherwise you'll repel people. <laughs> and then you're making it overt, like I, I, I care about these kids. Make sure that people you, you know that you're, especially if you find yourself disagreeing or debating them, make sure they know, like say it overtly, because they've been pro people have been programmed to see you as hateful and bigoted. And, and the, the programming has worked. Mm -hmm. So say that which is obvious to you. You're talking to your grandkid about a lot of these hard issues. Preface the stuff you're saying with, Hey, I love you. I really love you. You might disagree with grandma right now, but I, I love you and this is why I'm saying this. Uh, speaking of love, mm -hmm. uh, patri patriotism is a love for your country. And uh, G.K. Chesterton said this, he was reflecting on politics. He said, things must be loved first and improved afterwards. Ah. And I think a starting point for a lot of people, especially as I go through postmodern education, is that the starting point is, is to hate, is to hate America. It's to hate, um, it's, to, it's to associate America with the only her, her worst flaws in her history. To, to have this reductionist view of American history, of, of, of capitalism, of the entire thing as, yes, there, there was horrific racism as part of our history and as part of it now. But to reduce it, no, it is nothing but a racist system. No, it is nothing but a colonial power still active and oppressing people. No, it's nothing but, and... If your starting point is that is that deconstruction, then, then everything you're doing, every you know, everything I'm talking about, it's like, well, let's let's just burn it down. Right. You know, let's burn it. If, and that, go if where? that's what it is, and go where? Right. <laughs> and do right. what? What other system has worked yeah. better? Yeah. And and it's and and, it's, and and here we're in the state where uh, America the Beautiful was written, right? Yeah. Looking at Pike's Peak, uh, which is so cool. I just love thinking of that. It's very cool. How do you encourage a love for for country? You know, when you when you go out to to a lot of the mainstream college campuses, and they're literally being taught in their classroom, mm -hmm. uh, a hermeneutic of, of suspicion, of hatred, of deconstructionism. Uh, how do you bring that message of, no, let's, let's love this. Let's build it up for, from, e even if, even if a, a political party is in charge at a certain place, a time that I disagree with everything that's happening, I still love it. How, that, that's a virtue. It's a virtue of patriotism. It's a love for the place, uh, for the good of the people who live there. And, and you're, you're beaming with it right now, and I think it's a, really, I think it's a grace. I think it's a grace and a calling and a natural virtue. Uh, how, do you, how do you encourage people to take that ownership? I mean, mostly I like to tell stories. I tell my story about yeah. living the American dream and coming from nothing and building up uh, a company that created jobs, mm. created prosperity for a lot of people. I love telling veterans, I say, veterans, tell your stories. Mm. Talk about what you fought for and what your journey was. 
and um, it's so important to talk to the young people in your life. And then I, I talk to young people about other countries, like, you know, have you visited Cuba? Have you visited Venezuela? Mm. Get people who've moved here from other countries that are socialists to talk about their oh, yeah. journey. My yeah. best, one of um, my favorite neighbors is from Ukraine, and her mom, it's her mom and her came from Ukraine, and they were just horrified to see some of the stuff that happened mm. over the last couple of years um, with the back talking about America and, and how, you know, yeah. it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. like we have such a gift here. Right. But, let's, let's address the problems from the, the vantage point of I actually love this place. Yeah. Love the people, love the history. And telling the stories is a great thing, you know, and, and reflecting on these stories of American history that got us to where we are. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel really, I, when you talk about the communist thing, I feel, I mean, my, my own family escaped from Eastern Europe and from Slovakia oh and, the, and my my great uncle was a priest who was put in a cage for two years for being a, just for being a priest that he couldn't stand up in. And then you, then you hear, you know, two generations later, uh, communism's great. America sticks. <laughs> what the heck are you talking about, dude? You should go on, a, go on a trip to Cuba and let, let's hear what you have to say. Um, yeah, Heidi, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Uh, I'm grateful for your witness. Thank yeah, you. I'm, I'm grateful for your focus. And I'm really grateful for your joy. It's, it's, a, it's an example to me. Um, as I as I strive in in my own crucible, in my own <laughs> fires of life, and everybody's got them wherever you're at. It's probably not as intense right now as a political campaign <laughs> in the most contentious time in the history of the United States to be a politician. Uh, but follow Heidi's example. Whatever you're, you're you're in right now, stay focused on what matters. Stay joyful, and keep loving the people around you. Make sure you keep asking yourself, "What's my why?" And, and whether you're engaging in politics. Uh, which I hope you do in your own way. All right, get out and vote. Be, be, love your land, be a patriot, uh, or, or, or it's engaging in, in sharing your faith. Uh, Heidi, I'm honored by your your time with us today. Thank Thanks, you so Chris. much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah. Thank you guys for watching. Love you. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life. The kind of life that God created you for. The kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full. Then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.